0: Amen. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and and, and announce our our speaker, which, of course, we've already talked about, and then they'll they'll play us our rolling music to give her time to come up here. But uh, this woman is a woman I've known all my life, and she's known me all her life. But I'm grateful for what God is doing in her life, and I'm thankful for the leadership that she's uh, given and consistently, I'm asked a lot about how is your mother doing? How is your mother doing? And the only thing I can say is this is a strong, strong woman to see what she is doing. And so we are grateful that she can share the word of God. So we pray that God would bless her. So let's just stretch our hands toward her and say, uh, elect lady, we appreciate you and we thank God for using you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
1: Woo! <laughs> God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for who you are. And Father God, I want you to get into this word, God, and let it do what it needs to do in the name of Jesus. I want you to have your absolute way in Jesus' name. Now, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You are my strength and. Amen. I thank God just for another opportunity to uh, share his word. And um, I don't know how strong I am, but it's all God. Amen. I give all the glory to him because it's all about him and it's not about me. And first, before I get started, I just want to thank my church family my natural family, and just for everybody that prayed for me as I went through my trials and the uh, loss of my husband. And I'm a fighter. And you know what? I'm up here to tell the devil he's a liar and I win. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know I win because I have the greater one on the inside of me. And he is under my feet. Amen. So I thank God for my family. They held my arms up. My family is amazing. That's the best way I can say it. They're absolutely amazing. And they met my every need. Amen. And they still meet my needs. And I thank all of you all in the body of Christ that prayed for me and lifted my arms up. You lifted my arms up like they did for Moses. I had somebody lifting up on one side and somebody on the other. And for that, I'm grateful. So you know what? I don't have a sad story to tell. I don't feel sorry for myself because God has been good to me. Hallelujah. And for that, I'm grateful. Amen. The word that God gave me today, it's called, I am here by God's design. And God ministered that to me personally. That I am here by his design. So, first, let's define the word design. And I have several definitions here. Design is to create, to fashion, to execute, or construct according to plan, to plan or fashion artistically and skillfully, to intend for a definite purpose. Amen. Now we're going to go to Psalms 139, verse 14 through 15. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord is saying in this passage that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made in his image. Made in his likeness. Amen. Let's go to the other verse. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And the Lord is saying that he designed each of us. When we were an embryo in our mother's womb. Amen. And so we have nothing to be ashamed of. Because we were created by God. And Ephesians 1 and 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He chose us before he made the stars and the moon. Chose us to be blameless in him. Amen. The Lord chose each of us. You are a masterpiece. You are an original created in God's image and likeness so you can give glory back to him. No one has your DNA. Nobody has your fingerprints, your individuality, or your personality. You may favor your parents or somebody in your family. You may have some of the same similarities, but there's nobody exactly like you unless you are an identical twin. You and I have characteristics that were given to us by the Father God, and you are significant, despite what somebody spoke over your life, or despite what the enemy or somebody has told you, or despite what negative thing that has happened in your life. You are God's handiwork, created for his pleasure. He was intentional when he created each of us. Amen. Now let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And this is a scripture that most people hang their hat on, but let's read the rest of it. He said, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And God says he, he knows the thoughts he thinks towards us. And they're not evil. They're not to harm us. But he says it's something we got to do. He wants us to pray, come and seek him. And he said then he will hearken to us. He will hear us. He will listen to us. And He will be found by us. Amen. Amen. And I heard a preacher say, before you had a problem, God already had a plan. Amen. So nothing that happens in our lives is ever a surprise to God. Nothing that happened to me was a surprise to God. We are all here by the design, the will, the purpose, and the plan of God. He allowed all of us to cross over into 2022, into this new year, so that we can do his will. God doesn't mind us making plans or having goals. He just wants us to acknowledge him first in everything so that he can lead and guide us into the path and direction that he has for our lives. And that's uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Okay, so what happens when we follow our own plan? It may end in death. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Amen. And uh, two weeks ago, when Pastor preached, he talked about David And the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, when he preached this word, he was talking about how they put the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. It was drawn by oxen. And when the oxen stumbled, Uzzah reached his hand out to try to steady the cart. But what happened to Uzzah? Uzzah died. And the pastor let us know that it was so much, the power of God was in that Ark of the Covenant. And when Uzzah pushed his hand out to steady the cart, he died. He was electrocuted. And so David was upset with God and he was afraid of God. Because he couldn't understand why this would happen to Uzzah. And so David took the Ark of the Covenant and he took it down to Obed-Edom's house. And Obed-Edom's house started being blessed. The blessings were just flowing. And David said, well, i got to get this ark back. But this time, they carried the ark like they were instructed by God to do. It should have been carried in the first place. It was never supposed to be on uh, a cart. So when you make your own choices, you're responsible for the consequences and not God. Let's go to Genesis uh, 16. And this is a very familiar uh, passages, but I just like this story. I really do. And this is talking about, uh, you can put it back up. And so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Sarai wanted to be a mother so bad that she decided to help God out. She was getting older. She was barren. Being barren was a stigma during that time. And she said, listen, my biological clock is ticking, and it about ticked out. So I'm going to send my husband into my slave. And during that time, that was not uncommon to uh, send your uh, slave to sleep with your husband because Jacob had children by his concubines. Jacob had, Jacob had, had several children. So that was not uncommon. Let's read the next scripture. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And this brought a lot of strife and turmoil in the home. And see, there's nothing new under the sun. Hagar was the first surrogate mother, mother, the very first. And um, what I thought about Sarah—her name wasn't Sarah; it was Sarai at this time—and she didn't consult with Abraham. She didn't. She didn't consult with Hagar. They didn't have a choice in the matter. She just decided to take matters in her own hands because she wanted an heir for her husband. Amen. Let's read the next scripture. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, Hagar was the victim here. She had no say so. She was a slave girl. She had no rights. She was like a piece of property. And so after Hagar conceived, she got kind of cocky. The scriptures say she despised her mistress, and despise is another, another word for hate. And when I was thinking about this, I said, Hagar probably said in her mind, Here I am, a sweet, pretty young thing, and she's sending me into this old man. And um, Abram, Abram didn't say, Sarai, we're going to talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's pray about it. The scripture said, Abram hearkened. Amen. He went right on in. And that's all I'm saying about that. (laughs) Amen. Let's go to the next scripture. Then Sarai said to Abram. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, this was funny to me. Now, Sarai came up with this whole plan by herself. She didn't consult nobody. Now she's blaming Abram. It's your fault because Hagar now hates me. And what Hagar did, she lost respect for. Because see, Hagar came from a slave where you have no rights to all the rights of a wife. Let's go to the next scripture. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar and she fled from her. So Abram said, now listen, this wasn't my fault. This your fault. This your slave girl. I'm out of this. You do whatever you want to do with her. And so, some of the commentaries say that um, Sarai mistreated, not mistreated, Sarai abused Hagar. And so Hagar got tired of the treatment. Hagar fled. The next scripture. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that, she, that is beside the road to Shur. Next scripture. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And what um, blessed me about this? It said the angel of the Lord found Hagar. See, God will find you, and he'll pick you up wherever you are. He'll meet you at the point of your need, whatever your need might be. And he went and found her in the desert. He said, Hagar, where are you going? What you doing? What you doing out here in this wilderness? The next scripture. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Now ain't this something? She was being mistreated. She was being abused. And part of it was her fault because she got cocky and she lost respect for Sarah. But the angel told her, go back. Return. Now that's a word all by itself. Go back. Go back. And submit yourself. Come underneath the mission of Sarah. And see, some of us don't want to go back. Sometimes I uh, see young people. They're having a fit to be grown. They want to move out of Mama's house, get away from Mama and Daddy. And then when they get grown, get their own place, they think Mama and Daddy ought to pay their rent. And and do this, that, and a third. But mama and daddy don't owe you anything. It costs to be grown. It costs to be grown. And see, some of these young people, they need to go back and apologize to their mom and dad. Say, mama, I want you to, I want you to please forgive me, because I learned that food don't grow in the refrigerator. I got to put it there. I learned I can't put all my money on my hair and nails. I got to pay rent. You know, but see, the young people, they don't, they, don't, they don't comprehend that. A lot of things we need to go back. You know, and sometimes people leave the church. And this ain't in my notes, y'all. I just got to obey the Lord. People leave the church. They get mad at the pastor, mad at them, mad at me, mad at everybody. And when this happens, sometimes they can't get the blessings of God on their life. Sometimes they're still struggling. They, from hand to mouth, can't make ends meet, can't keep a job. Because the scripture says, obey them that have the rule over you. You have to obey le- leadership. You have to come under the, minute, the, the mission of the leaders. And see, God has placed Lady Devon and Pastor Andre. They're the shepherds of this house. And we have to obey. I have to obey, even though I'm his mom. Because I respect the calling and the leading that is on their lives. Amen. That's all I'm saying about that. But some of us need to go back. Let's go back to the scripture. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that there will be too numerous to count. The next scripture. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. Amen. The angel told her, listen, I know you had trouble in that home, but all you got to do is go back. Because you got destiny in your womb. You're pregnant. You can't even survive out here in this wilderness. And she said, he said, your seed, you won't even be able to count them up. It's going to be a multitude. And the Lord has heard your affliction. Let's read the next scripture. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Now this is the scripture. Amen. The Lord told Hagar, you go back. You're going to name him Ishmael. And he's going to be a wild man. And see, from this choice that Sarai made to give Hagar to her husband, we still have trouble in the Middle East today. Consequences. Consequences. From one choice, she got ahead of God. Amen. And from um, Genesis 16 to Genesis chapter 17 was a period of 14 years. So Hagar had to submit to Sarai for 14 more years. But she did it because she got a revelation from God. She said, God sees me. God found her in the wilderness and he saw her. And she said, God got me. I don't have nothing to worry about. I'm not looking at the circumstances because I know God got me. Amen. So Hagar went back because she believed God and she heard a word from God. And you got to believe God. You got to trust him. And see, I know myself. God got me. And I'm trusting him. With all that's within me. Amen. When we follow the plan God has designed for us. We often end up in closer relationship with the Lord. We have to allow his word to become life to us. And we will also receive the blessings of his favor on our lives. Let's go to Luke. Chapter seven. I want to start with, um, Luke thirty six, if you can put that up. Okay, um, well, this is a story about, um, the woman with the alabaster box. And if you know this story, this woman went to see Jesus. She was a sinner. But although she was a sinner, she went there by the plan of God. She heard about Jesus, and she knew if she could just get to him, She could get some help. She could get the help that she needed. She wasn't invited to Simon's house, but she went anyway. The scripture doesn't even give her a name. She doesn't have a name. But she was labeled in the community as a sinner. A woman of ill repute. A woman you don't want to be around. So she wanted to bring a gift to Jesus And she brought the very best gift that she had. So let's pick it up in um, Luke 39. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. This lady brought her best gift. To the Lord Jesus. And she brought an alabaster box. She had to break the box. To get the precious perfume that was inside of the box. And so here. Um, In all the other gospels, Jesus told the disciples, they start complaining. They said, she could have used this money, this precious oil. She could have used this money to feed the poor. And what I thought about deliver me from people that want to tell you what to do with your stuff. This was her alabaster box. Her precious ointment. And she could do what she wanted to with it. And so Simon was telling Jesus in the verse we just read, if Jesus is so deep, how come he didn't know what kind of woman this is? How come Jesus didn't know this woman is a sinner? And he was really questioning the deity of God. And this woman, when she came in um, and poured the oil on Jesus, he told him, leave her alone. She's doing this for my burial. She has done a good thing. She's done a good work. And the other gospels state that Jesus said, the poor you're going to have with you always, but I won't be with you always. Amen. And she had anointed Jesus for his burial. She probably didn't know that's what she was going to do. But she obeyed the spirit. The spirit said go to this house where you're not even invited. Pour oil on his head. And when she got there she was so repentant. So humble. That she cried so much. She weeped so much. That her tears start dropping on Jesus' feet. And to me, she was sobbing. She had to be sobbing for her his feet to get so wet. She sobbed so that she wiped his hair. Wiped, excuse me, wiped her hair. She dried his feet with her hair. That's what I'm trying to say. She dried his feet with her hair. and And that's powerful. And this woman... Never spoke a word when they were saying she should give this money to the poor. And some, um, in some commentaries they said this perfume was worth about $10,000. But she didn't try to defend herself by why she was there, what she was doing. She just did what she knew to do. Amen. Let's read the next scripture. This is Jesus. It says then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon had was saying, complaining, you know if you such a prophet, you all know what kind of woman this is. But Jesus rebuked him harshly very harshly. When I entered your house, you didn't even give me no water for my feet. And see, during that time, they wore sandals. It was dusty. It was dirty. And in that period of time, when you went to somebody's house, washing your feet was the very first thing that they did because it was sort of a greeting and it was also hospitality. And they would wash their feet before they Engage in any type of religious practices. Amen. So the Lord rebuked Simon. And. Um, first he gave him a parable in the scriptures above that. Talking about love. And then he rebuked him and said, said, you know you haven't done anything but you have the audacity to try to judge this woman saying that she's a sinner. Amen. Let's read the next scripture. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. It was also customary to customary to greet Men and women with a kiss during that era. And this lady did that, that it was an act of her worship. She was honoring God. She brought him the best gifts she had. The very best that she had. Let's read the next scripture. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Amen. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So this woman's sins were totally forgiven. Because she showed love to Jesus. And I want to say, what kind of love do we have today? What can we show? The scripture says, what shall I render unto God for all his benefits towards me? And when I look over my life, I owe God everything. The things that he's brought me through in the past two years, I owe him everything. He's made ways. He's opened doors. When the enemy thought he had me derailed, he thought he had me. And I thought he had me for a little bit. But guess what? I got back up. Because I know I got the greater one on the inside. I got the greater one on the inside. And through this word, what I'm trying to convey is, since we're designed by God, I'm here by God. I'm here by his purpose. I'm here by his plan. I'm here by his sovereignty. I need to give him everything I have. Everything. Because I can't even wake myself up in the morning. The scripture says in him I live and I move and I have my being. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And his mercies, they're new every morning. Every morning. Hallelujah. And during this time of COVID, we're still in our third year in a pandemic. We need to be seeking him as never before. As never before. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Where should I be on today? And we want to give God the best that we have, the best that we have to offer. And I want to give him my best praise, my best worship my best offering, my best service. I want him to have the best of me because I want God to know I appreciate all that he's done for me. I appreciate every test, every trial, every circumstance because I know I couldn't have done it without him. I couldn't have made it without him. Hallelujah. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He's an awesome God. And he's worthy of all the praise. I'm not worthy, but he's worthy. Hallelujah. He is worthy. And all I want to do is fulfill his plan, his purpose, and his will for my life. Hallelujah. You have to seek what his plan, purpose, and will is for your life and be found doing it. That's why I'm here by God's design. And I'm done. Amen.